0: Welcome to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love He demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and to share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. This week's message is from Joshua 7, where Achan is held accountable for his sin. As we think about uh, the, the places we've been and the ways in which we've experienced God over the course of the last several weeks, I just want to bring some of you up to speed regarding where it is that we've been. So if you are visiting with us for the first time, or if this is the hundredth time, that you've been with us. I want to welcome you. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's emotional today. Um, we are in the midst of a series that we're calling Courageous. And as we engage in this work of being courageous, we've spent a little time in Joshua chapter 4 last week. And over the course of the last several weeks, we've been in each of the first four books of Joshua. Joshua. And we've learned what it is to have the courage to obey. Every promise, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon has been given to you, the Lord said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. And then in Joshua chapter 2, we got a a good glimpse of a story of the prostitute Rahab and how this woman who had um, no belonging to the family of God, was willing to testify to the goodness of God in her life. She was willing to trust. She testified, and then she was transformed. And this is what happens for us, too. And in in Joshua chapter 3, we understood that um, there was this time of consecration. The Lord led the people up to the River Jordan, and then he led them through on dry ground. They had the courage to prepare, and it was a beautiful thing. It was powerful. It was rife with anticipation as they got there, and they had to take on the things that challenged them. It was really a challenging time. And then last week, we we hung out in Joshua chapter 4, and, and what we learned in Joshua chapter 4 was pretty powerful. It sets us up for where we are today. So, over the course of these first four weeks, we have bounced around the first four books of Joshua. And now we're going to take a skip because we didn't think it was fair or kind that we would preach 24 weeks through Joshua. So this week we're going to move to Joshua chapter 7. And here's the thing that I want to put in front of you. That over the course of these first several weeks, we've, we've learned about the courage to obey, the courage to trust, the courage to prepare, the courage to... Um, Build to remember and the courage to build. Okay? The courage to remember and the courage to build. And today, what we are confronted with is this, and, and interesting that the word came right there. What we are confronted with is the courage to confront. The the courage to confront is this the willingness to face up to and deal with a problem or a difficult situation. Even When it's scary. Who likes confrontation? Nobody. There's some of us that don't mind confrontation, but most of us don't like it. And what the invitation is to today is for you to take a good hard look at yourself, to to look at your life and to understand what is it that God wants to confront in my life? Is there anything that I need to confront in my life? And as we get there, I want to invite you to throw open your uh, Bible or your preferred electronic device to Joshua chapter 7. That's where we're going to hang out today. We start to bounce here. Joshua is the sixth book of the Bible, so you can throw your Bible open to Joshua chapter 6. Last week, where we left off with you is I extended this invitation and challenge to you to tell your story. Now... I already asked for a a show of hands once. I won't do that again. But I wonder, did you engage in this challenge? Did you take advantage of the opportunity to tell your story, to to share the way in which God has been active in your life? Because if you did, I imagine that something pretty powerful happened. And I know that for some of you, uh, you might have broke out in hives at the invitation. And I want you to know that as we turn to Joshua 7, that I'm praying for you. I've been praying for you throughout the course of this week because uh, if last week was a challenge, this week will be infinitely more difficult. Let's pray as we turn to the word. Father, would your word be our rule? Holy Spirit, would you teach us? And would the glory of Jesus be our single concern? Amen. So friends, I want to invite you to hear these words from the book that we love in Joshua chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. The Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near beth Aven to the east of Bethel, and told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it, and do not weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. So about 3,000 went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water." Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan." Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this, and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. What are you doing on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been more liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Go, consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there are devoted things among you. Israel, there are devoted things among you. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. In the morning, present yourselves Tribe by tribe. The tribe the Lord chooses shall come forward clan by clan. The clan the Lord chooses shall come forward family by family. And the family the Lord chooses shall come forward man by man. Whoever is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire, along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done an outrageous thing in Israel. Early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward tribe by tribe, and Judah was chosen. The clans of Judah came forward, and the Zerahites were chosen. He had the clan of the Zerahites come forward by families, and Zimri was chosen. Joshua had his his family come forward man by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, was chosen. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son... Give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, it's true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver The robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, his donkeys and sheep, his tent and all that he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him and after they had stoned the rest, they burned him. Over Achan, they heaped up a pile of large rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger; therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Who's up for playing a little game after reading the hard text? Anybody? Anybody want to play for a minute? I always wanted to play. Simon says in worship but I'm not going to do that. Relax, take a breath. It's going to be okay. But I do want to play a little name association or word association game with you this morning, if you would be so willing. So if, as I start a sentence, would you finish it? This means yes, and this means no. nod of the head is a yes, and this is no. When I say, um, how do I want to, what words do I want to use? There are peaks and there are What goes up must come down. Yeah, that's it. Everything is supposed to be up and to the right. And yet that's not your lived experience, is it? Is your lived experience all up and to the right? Mine is a little bit like this, and then it goes over here, and then it wanders. And and sometimes I might start to move up, but it's always up and to the right. At least that's the message that we're taught. How about this one? Forgive and forget, right? We want everybody to forgive and forget. And I want to hold up for you the idea that it's okay to not forget sometimes. Forgiveness, yes, and the Lord both forgives and forgets, but we get to remember at times. And when I think about our fate, when I think about our life as disciples of Jesus Christ, I wonder if any of you can answer this one. No one has it better than us there's a couple of Michigan people in the house and they didn't get it you left me hanging I was afraid to try that one on because Jamie's a Michigan fan and he's in Hayward today but nobody has it better than us when we think about it and nobody had it better than the people of Israel and nobody had it better than Joshua and here's the thing we read in the text that they're they're slow to remember Yeah, because it hasn't been that long since they were led out of Egypt. They've been wandering around in the desert for 40 years, wandering around aimlessly without hope. And they get there. They finally get to the river's edge. And then the Lord banks up the river 20 miles away, and he leads them through on dry ground. And now here we are just three chapters later, when, when they have both remembered by these stones that were set at Gilgal, and, and have been challenged to build the life that God would have them lead on the other side in the promised land, and they forget. It happens early. I mean, I've always been fascinated with the start of this passage. The Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things, but Achan, son of Carmi, took some of them. He's the one that sinned, and everything fell from this place. But Joshua is unaware Joshua doesn't know that the people of Israel have been unfaithful because what Joshua set out for them to do, everything has been up and to the right since Joshua took charge. Yeah? I mean, if you look back through the first six verses or the first six chapters of the book of Joshua, the Lord has been super faithful to the the Israelites and to Joshua. And the people have actually done the things that Joshua encouraged them to do. This morning, we picked this up just after they have conquered the city of Jericho. I mean, they won this mighty battle. And now here we are, and they make this transition. And something happens. I mean, I think it all often happens for us too, right? Where we get confused. Maybe we puff up our chests, and we don't know exactly how it is that we are supposed to be with success. And they go to the city of Ai. They go to this region, and they don't need anybody to win this battle. At least that's the, the story they tell themselves about this part of the story. They don't need anything to take care of this. So they send just a few people, let's go take on this village. And they're routed because of the sin. They're routed because of Achan's sin and they're routed because of Israel's sin. because They're, they're routed because nobody had the courage to take on Achan. We need the courage to confront, friends, the willingness to face up to and to deal with a problem or a difficult situation, even when it's scary. Joshua was in charge, and something happened, and the people were not willing to, to, to go up and to inform him about what it is that had taken place. Do you have situations like this in your life? Do you see problems? Do you see sin? Do you, do you see it in yourself and you're not willing to step up and, and to take a good hard look at it? Are you not willing to confront, to face up to, and to deal with the sin in your life? It's not fun. It's challenging. It's really hard. And sometimes things happen and we aren't aware of it. And it's going on around us and it's impacting us. I wonder, do you think, I wonder if you're like me, Did you, have you believed that your sin only impacts you? Because I don't think there's anything, what this text is wanting us to see today is there is no such thing as an individual sin. My sin impacts everybody. Your sin impacts you and everybody. This is the nature of sin. There's, there's impact, and, and Joshua is dumbfounded by it because he doesn't know what's happened. I mean, we have been taking names and kicking butt and, and winning every place we go, and, and now we're not as the people of God. Look with me in verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. And then we read just a couple of verses later, the worst thing that we could possibly hear. It's there, it's here on the screen for you right now in verse 12. I will not be with you any longer unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction the lord says to joshua i will not be with you any longer unless you destroy these things there is a mess in your house joshua and you don't know it look around do some digging find out what the problem is and the problem so then the lord says to joshua go consecrate the people consecrate yourselves and Preparation for tomorrow, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. What are the devoted things, do you suppose? What are these things? I mean, I think my understanding as I'm studying this idea, these words, the the devoted things are the things that belong only to the Lord. They are for the Lord's sake. They are for the Lord's glory. But they're also things that can just be destroyed because God wants to destroy these things. But they're the Lord's, and this is the deal. We can't take things and, and take glory from the Lord just because we feel like it, because we want something, because we see it. It's shiny, right? And it grabs our attention. And so then we do what we do when we do what we do. We can't do that. The devoted things belong to God alone. The devoted things belong to God alone, friends. We are not to take them into our own hands. They're for the Lord to deal with. So confronted with sin, here's what happens. Verse 19, Achan is guilty. There's no hiding. There's no undoing what it is that's been done. He's made a mess. He's busted. And now he has a choice to make as he stands before Joshua, because all of the things happened from verse 14 to verse 18, and all of the people came, and and the Lord is really clear. Here it is, It's, it's Achan, and he's standing there right in front of you. And Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Don't hide it from me. We often want to hide when we sin, right? We don't want to take responsibility for it. We don't want to own up to it because there are repercussions and there are ramifications for our sin. And and this is what happens. Achan is is busted and then he gets really honest. And Achan knew what was coming. He knew what the impact of his actions were. Here's, Here's what the text tells us in verse 21. When I saw the plunder, when I saw in the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. He saw it. It looked really cool. I want that robe. I want to get me that robe and I want to take that silver and I want to take that gold and I'm going to bury it. And I wonder if this could have possibly happened in a vacuum. Did nobody see Aiken do this? I don't think Aiken acted alone. I mean, these people were, were, they camped in close quarters. And so Aiken has all of the stuff. And then he goes and he buries it. Did he do it by himself? Did anyone else know? Where is the courage? Where is the courage to name what it is that Aiken has done? It's... Nonexistent, and, and we we look at this story, and I look at Aiken when I read this. I'm like, seriously, how could this happen? How Aiken, this, I mean, you have just been led through on dry ground. You've been led through all the things, and now you've forgotten. You've you've lost your way. You've lost attention to the thing that God has done with you and for you. You don't have intention to carry out the call of God in your life. And you may not have retention of all of the things that God has for you because of what it is that you have done here. Have you ever experienced anything like this? I mean, I think we can look at the story and say, huh. This has never happened before, but if we flip back all the way to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3, this is an age-old story. We're good at this. Genesis 3, 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. But Adam and Eve aren't alone, are they? If we look at 2 Samuel chapter 11, one evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the woof, from the roof, the woof, thank you, I'll be here all day. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. We've been doing this for a really long time, right? He looked, he saw, he coveted, he took, he lied, he thought he would get away with it. Is this in your story? If you say this, you're not being honest with yourself. It's our reality. The psalmist says so. Psalm 14, verse 2 and 3. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good. Not one. And it feels damning. Right? It feels rather hopeless. I wonder what it would have felt like to be in there. I mean, verse 23, it just hit me this morning. I mean, I've been in this text all week. And as we sat around the the worship planning table on Monday afternoon, everybody's like, I'm really glad you're doing this this week because I don't want to preach that text. And, and, And verse 23 is like, hit me like a bolt of lightning this morning. They took the things from the tent. They brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites, and they spread them out before the Lord. It's all right out there in the open. And the Lord sees it. And the Lord is really gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. This is God's nature. I mean, I think we look at the text and say, how can you worship a God that would do what he did in verse, verses 24, 25, 26? Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks which remain to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Romans 3 tells us that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin, the wage of sin is death. The wages are death. And we all deserve death. We all deserve what Achan got. Adam and Eve deserved death. They got mercy and grace. David deserved death. He got mercy and grace the people have experienced all kinds of mercy and grace as they whined and complained their way through Egypt to the promised land and then God gave mercy and grace and last week we saw how there were these 12 stones set up at Gilgal which is mercy and grace it would help them remember what it is that God has done for them. And what I want to hold up for you today is this idea that this heap of stones, this, this pile that is heaped up on this dude Achan is mercy and grace. But he's dead. Yep, he got what he deserved. And it's mercy and grace to us because each one of us, that, that it's still there to this day, the text tells us. Every time we see it, we're reminded that He, the wages of sin is death. So maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe we should stop doing the thing we do that has us away from the Lord. And so here's the invitation and challenge. So if last week, if your invitation was to testify, to, to tell your story to somebody else, here's your invitation this week. Have the courage to confront sin in your life. I need to have courage to stand before the Lord and just rip open my chest cavity and say, okay, God, take a look. Sounds like a blast, right? Search me and know my heart today. Test me and know all my thoughts. Get in there and have your way. And I want to tell you that the road to transformation, the road to the fully alive life isn't going to happen until you have the courage to confront sin in your own life. You're going to stay stuck and stopped, and you're not going to be who, all that you want it to be. And don't hear me say that I fully arrived because that's not what I said. I get to throw open my chest too and say, okay, God, look, look around. And I've done a fair amount of it. And it stinks. It's not fun. It's painful. But it's the way. It's the invitation that the text is giving us. But then there's this one. Because, because we can't just look at our own sin. I think a lot of times we believe that the, the word confrontation just means that I can go up and I can say, hey, because Ray's there. I can say, hey, Ray, I have a problem with you and this and this and, this, and list off all the problems. That's not it. I have to search myself first, right? Then secondly, I have, to have com- I have to have courage to give someone permission to confront the sin in my life. Is there anyone in your life that challenges you? Or do you just get to do whatever it is you want to do, whenever you want to do it? Or is there anybody to challenge you? Because I'm telling you, it takes courage to say, okay, Tell me what's up. Tell me what's wrong. I want to know when I missed a mark. Because for me, there's a mark. I mean, and it's Jesus, and I want to look like Jesus. And when I don't, that's problematic. I think it's problematic for you, too. I don't think I'm the Lone Ranger in this. And so this week, here's the thing I had this opportunity where I didn't show up the way I wanted to, I made a mess. I sinned in the office. It was early in the morning, and and I had a problem, and and I did not behave the way I wanted to. And so a a couple of hours later, I I went back into the front of the office. I looked at Denise, and I looked at Stacia both, and said, look, I made a mess here. And this isn't how I want to be. So I'm giving you permission. When you see this happen again, I pray it doesn't. I've learned to not say I will never do that again, because that might not be true because I'm a human. But when I say, if you see this happen again, you have permission to name it and to call me out. Because there's a better way. There's, a, there's another way that I'm supposed to live my life. It's supposed to look a whole lot more like Jesus than that. So we have to have courage to confront our own sin. And that two-hour window stunk. It was miserable. I was exhausted for three days because I took two hours to look at this thing. And then we have to have courage to give somebody else permission to take an intentional look at our lives. And then finally, we have to have the courage to confront sin, period. And this might be uh, rowing a a little close to the crops. I know they're all harvested and out of the ground now. But, I mean, sometimes you get up a little too close. It means no gossiping. It means no triangling. It means no indifference to the problems that you see in the world. And if we think that it's hard to take a look at our own sin, and if we think it's difficult to give somebody else permission, when you walk up on a conversation or when you are participating in a conversation that is gossip and stopping that conversation and saying, you know what? I don't want to do this. Can, can we not do this? Is there another way? That's hard. And I think it's the work. I think it's your responsibility. And maybe when you're angry or upset or disappointed in Jack, you don't go talk to Jill about it. Maybe you just go right to Jill and have the conversation. No more triangling. This doesn't work. This isn't the way of Jesus. This is the way of Jesus. No more Triangling, church. When you have a problem, come talk to me. Go talk to the person you have the problem with. Don't go here to here to here. It doesn't work. And let's not be indifferent to sin because this is, this is, this is it. This is what gets in our way. If we're going to be the community of people that God has called us to be, we have to be willing to step into it and say, hey, look, I don't know if we're doing the thing. You're off-center. You're missing the mark. If we're going to make Christ known, this is what we have to do. Have the courage to name your sin. Have the courage to give somebody else permission to enter into your sin. And to call it, to name it for what it is. And then have the courage to just name it. Period. Let's not stand by. And allow this to happen any longer let's let's see the gift that this heap of stones is let's let's see that the what the goodness and the graciousness of god is and the fact that there's a stone and he's reminding us that's not the way there's a better way and together if we do this if we confront sin we'll make christ known in profound ways in powerful ways and that's your invitation let's pray father son and holy spirit i thank you for your word and i thank you for these stories for for i thank you for joshua and for for achan god rest his soul and for all of the people that that we have, have been journeying with through this god would you give us the courage to obey, the courage to trust, the courage to prepare, the courage to remember and to build, and the courage to confront that which needs confronting, to confront our own sin, to, to give other people permission to confront ours, and, and the courage to just name it as a people. God, because this is when we will be who you've called and created us to be give us courage because it's going to take that it's not in us grant us courage o oh lord and for all those who are um who are dealing with pain and loss i would pray that that they would have courage to confront the hurt and the sadness and the pain I would pray for those who are hospitalized or who have been hospitalized. I pray that you would give them courage to confront all of the feelings that they haven't laid bare before you and and their family in this week. God, would you give us great courage to confront all the things that are in us that keep us from right relationship with you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship this Sunday at 9.30.